Howdy, Fat Guy Forum listeners. Before we get into this week's episode, just a reminder that there is a great way for you to support the podcast and keep it going, and that's by joining the Fat Guy Forum Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash gourmetgoesketo. I use all the funds from the Patreon to go for the subscriptions and equipment that are used on the podcast, and if you join now, you will have the opportunity to be a part of helping decide the direction of the podcast as we dive into some new topics and try out a few new things. So I look forward to having you on board. Sign up today. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I'm excited to have you with us tonight. I have two returning guests who I think are going to be perfect for this topical discussion we're going to have this week. So... I'm going to let them tell a little bit of their stories, and then we're going to start diving into this idea of how does your relationship to food evolve when you go on a weight loss journey, the tool that you use, does it end up being the right tool for you, and then what happens after? Like, what happens when life isn't just about chasing the scale anymore? So I think these two guests who have both been on the show before, like I said, return guests, are going to have some great insight and are going to be able to share some of their experiences that will hopefully not just help those people out there that are kind of struggling in that place of what comes next, but also people that are headed in that direction and wondering kind of what do they need to think about? What are the things that other people have learned going down that road? So my guests tonight are Miles and Dale, and we'll get to their social handles and everything at the end of the episode. But first, let's talk to them very quickly about, like, give you a quick overview of of who they are so you can get to know them a little bit. Let's start with Dale. Hi, uh, my name's Dale. Um, I used to be a very large individual. I topped out at 500 pounds, kind of always a big, big husky kid throughout my entire life. And then I kind of hit rock bottom and found keto and was able to take off 320. And then I gained weight on purpose. And then I gained weight on accident. Mm. And now I'm kind of in the maintenance slash weight loss phase again mm-hmm. so <laughs> and how many years ago was it you started dale just to give people a picture of uh, that a little over nine years right. so we actually was just able to passed your anniversary like, right we did four days yeah nice i was successful at maintenance for a little while <laughs> uh, i think that that that's what we're going to get into man i think that's going to be the stuff for us to talk about so let's jump over to miles and hear from him um my name's miles I actually discovered um, keto about 10 years ago, exactly. It was in October. Um, I was in law school at the time and just went for a physical and, you know, found that I was, I weighed 465 pounds. I'm a big person. I'm six foot five, but still, you know, way too much and had, you know, high blood pressure and prediabetes, all those bad, you know, health markers. So I decided to lose weight and that's the first time I ever researched dieting and I found keto on the something awful forms, which I think are gone, um, and kind of went, ran with it. And I lost, um, about 250 pounds at my, my leanest. And now, um, the 10 years later, I'm kind of in, kind of in a maintenance phase, not really sure, you know, what my goals are in the near mm-hmm. future. Um, but just kind of cruising. That's where I am. Nice. And I, I've met miles in person. I can verify that he is not just tall, but he he has giant hands, which yeah. which we all do enjoy talking about at times. Um, I've met Miles in person too. If you look on my Instagram, you see that picture of us too. He's a mountain of a human being. Right. 
And now he's a mountain climber, which I'm sure is something we'll talk about as well. So, Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm excited that you guys are here. And what I would like to, to kind of start, start out with is to give people a little bit of a dive into, like, where you think your relationship with food was at when you started your, your weight loss journey. Like, what was it like before, like, you, I, ironic, whether it's ironic, not really ironic, I guess that's the wrong, I'm using bad words now. But all three of us use keto on our journeys, but the tool doesn't yeah. really necessarily matter. I mean, it does. We'll get into how they, they evolve and change <laughs> and everything. But, you know, it could be anything that you guys used. But let, let's talk about before you discovered keto. Like, what were your relationships with food like then? Like, if you had to talk about horrible. that. Horrible. Like, horrible? <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Yeah. So what, what was life like for you before you found Keto Dale? Uh, it was very sedentary. I mean, that, that's, that's not necessarily all it has to do with keto and, and stuff, but that, that definitely factored into my weight. But I mean, it was, it was standard American diet, I guess. And, you know, pe you say standard American diet. And when I say it, I don't mean like, oh, they eat like they did in the fifties when mom cooked meatloaf and mashed potatoes every day. And like stuff was made from scratch and it was actually, somewhat resembled food that wouldn't kill you, but I say standard American diet like Pop-Tarts, pizza rolls, soda, Cheetos, you know, like McDonald's, Taco Bell all the time. Because there are so many people in my life I know that still eat like that, and, and that's just what I see as a standard American diet at this point. So it was it was kind of one of those things, you know, I, I, I see something in front of me and I don't care if I'm hungry or not. I want that dopamine hit from it eating something hyper processed. And that's I mean, that's pretty much what I what I did. Like I had a crappier relationship with food. I drank soda all the time and my blood sugar was always like just going haywire. And I always thought I needed to eat, you know. Mm. What about you, Miles? How do you describe that kind of the, the pre time for you? Um, I think my relationship with food, um, was a little bit mindless, um, and a little bit, a little bit hedonistic. I don't think I was like, I, I know you and me joke about how I was a boring fat person. And I think I kind of was because my parents just didn't, they weren't very good cooks. You know, I'm sure that they would, you know, be offended by that, but it's true. They weren't very good cooks. My dad ate a lot of junk food. My dad was a cyclist and in great shape. And so he ate whatever he wanted, um, whenever he wanted. And so you kind of take the habits your parents give you. My mom, um, my mom struggled with her weight. And so my mom liked sweets. My dad liked junk food. Um, and so that was what was available. And so that's what I ate. So from a very young age, I developed a taste for hyper palatable, you know, stuff. Like um, my dad liked Coca-Cola and he liked peanut butter on crackers and he liked cookies and he liked ice cream. And my mom liked her, um, some of the same stuff. Um, and then my parents... Um, separated when I was very young and I had less supervision and my mom went to grad school and kind of relied on upon me to kind of, you know, manage the house, cook dinner for my brother and, you know, basically, you know, would have groceries delivered to us, you know, which is pretty common now, but back then it was kind of crazy. And so I could basically eat whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. And that just led to overeating. And I think over time that kind of screwed up my metabolism and blood sugar. So I was more ravenous. And by the time I, I needed to lose weight, I just was hungry all the time. But I, di I didn't really eat a lot of like sexy exotic thing. I just ate a lot of the same stuff like macaroni and cheese and frozen pizza. And um, like cereal, like just kind of very basic, hyper palatable stuff 
Um, yeah. And that's, that's what kind of was, it was like, I would say it was kind of mindless, just, you know, eat, wake up, eat, you know, eat more, go to bed, have two dinners. And before you know it, you you're eating like four or 5,000 calories every day. And that's how you get fat. And I think, I think that's something a a lot of, a lot of guys that I talked to that were as big as the three of us were, you know, as much as like, you know, like you said, Miles, we, we joke about you, you weren't necessarily like a glamorous fat guy when it came to food. But I think when we're in the trenches of living that life, it is those same hyper palatable, easily accessible quantity foods. Like you're able to, yeah. you know, kind of like just go to town on them. And it's not necessarily Crush a about sleeve of Oreos. Yeah, yeah, like it's not, it's not, it's not all gourmet eating. Like it's about, you know, what kind of keeps that engine going. And like you both both talked about, you know, there's that idea of that insulin cycle, which you know, there's probably going to be some keto people listening where they either you know, 100% believe that insulin is the demon that is at the root cause of every problem in the world. Um, or they want to say that it has nothing to do with, with what's going on. But there's, there's reality to the fact that when you're putting those, those highly processed carbs and there's always, there's a, always a healthy amount of fat along there, you know, and just fueling that dragon, you know, keeping that hunger going is a, is a pretty common experience, I think. And that's one thing that's always helped me is that even when I've I've done like experiments with carbs and maintenance before, even when I did that, intermittent fasting was a tool that I used to its fullest because fasting 18 hours a day, you do not have to deal with blood sugar crashes constantly all day and you don't have to worry about being starving all day. No, for sure. And Miles, you... There, when your one of your first ex, you know experiences after you had that doctor's appointment, you were you were put it was it the dash diet that they put you on immediately? Yeah, I mean they wanted me to be on a diet that reduced blood pressure, and ironically, you know um, even losing weight didn't really help because I, I ultimately have familiar um, blood pressure. Like my dad, who's still a cyclist, takes medication. My grandfather, who was an athlete, did so. It, it kind of came, it was focused on that. Um, but the dash diet was like low sodium, you know, lots of spinach, you know, eat healthy. And honestly, it, I think it's pretty hard to go from eating junk food to that kind of diet. And so it was like the adherence was low. And so that's why when I found keto, I was like, you can lose weight eating hamburgers and bacon and cheese. Like I wasn't really a big like carnivore, so to speak back then. But like, I was like, well, I, I, I can get down with eating hot dogs and that kind of stuff. And 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 it was easier it was an easier like on on ramp to like a healthier way of eating than something where it's just like oh take all the food you like and replace it with food that you find disgusting mm. yeah understood and what for both of you guys like what do you think were the biggest when you did start to change your eating like keto is is the thing that you both started like what were the biggest challenges you faced that like were right in your face when it came to kind of starting to work on that relationship with food. Like what were the things that you identified right away as going to be those, those biggest bumps that you had to get over those I, biggest hurdles? I mean, I mean, I'm sure, um, you know, I know you're kind of a, a misanthrope where you identify as one, but other people is the biggest challenge because I, <laughs> I, if I was on my own, you know, I can do whatever I want and I can eat whatever I want and I could just to- totally dial it in. But time I was living with my then girlfriend who was, you know, wasn't keto. I was in law school where lots of friends who did social events had a family didn't do it. And so I think for me, most of the temptations were just like, Hey, we're all going out for drinks. And so I have to be the person who's like, well, you know, I can't eat that and I can't eat that. And I like, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not like an extrovert, but I enjoy social situations. And so I find, I found, I still find those to be the most challenging part of any diet is, you know, planning, how am I going to handle the situation? And so I think the roadblock for me was not, the only thing it was, was other people, which is, you know, kind of an excuse. And I had to kind of, kind of take ownership of that. But at the time it was like, you know, how do I like explain my weird diet to other people? You know, what if they judge me for it? Or, you know, how do I find the food that I, I need to eat at the social event? And how did, what were the I things? Had a, no, you go ahead. Go ahead, Dale. I was going to say, I had a very different experience. Um, so I've, I've touched on this before, but like I pretty much when I started, I had like hit rock bottom and my choices were either turn my life around or die. So I totally just went scorched earth on the thing and I did not care about anything going on. I was going to eat what I was going to eat keto and that was it. There, there was no other option in my mind. I didn't have I didn't have an off plan meal or snack or treat or anything for a year. Like, so I actually feel what Miles started with, like his issue when he started keto, that's what I'm feeling more like nowadays. So it was just a really different experience for me. I mean, I just said all this other stuff. I'm never eating this again. That was a pretty unrealistic approach to take from the beginning. But when you're 500 pounds, that seems pretty reasonable to tell yourself. Oh, when you ha- when you have the specter of death looming, it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing the things that you can do. And right when 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 losing weight is an emergency, you don't have as much freedom as you do when you're just kind of overweight. Mm-hmm. No, I think that makes complete sense. And looking at like heading into to weight loss with those different challenges, like what do you think are the things that you did? right from the beginning and what are the things that you think you approached wrong miles let's start with you um i think right i just found things that were just were sustainable you know for me i didn't i was able to find very basic stuff that worked you know i was able to like figure out what i could eat what i couldn't eat you know um how to get you know go to my cafeteria and order just you know hamburger patties or chicken patties you know find food that I can eat at stores, make the best choices, but not the perfect choices, you know, get, um, get wings, you know, they may have some carbs in the sauce, but it's a lot better than having a bowl of pasta. I think I was, it was really easy for me to kind of find foods that I liked. I think the main thing I did wrong was kind of like make it an obsession. And that's kind of who I am in general, like with my hobbies, with, whatever I'm interested in, I like really dial in on it and make it the most important thing. And I think that the downside of obsessing on your diet is it becomes like this, the focus and it makes you not present and miss out on other things in life. And so I think that looking back, I was too obsessed with, with my diet at a time when I should have been more open and accessible to like life's experiences, I guess. Mm. Um, and that just took a long time to put that into perspective. No, I appreciate that. I think that, I, I think that makes sense. Like that's, that's something I think a lot of people, like we've, you and I've talked about this before, like that idea when your, your identity starts to become your diet and not your identity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, I'm the, I'm the keto person and I can't, I, I have to like, I I can't, uh, I have to, you know, prep all my meals. I can't, I can't go out to d- eat dinner this week because, you know, I, you know, I bought all this food that I meal prepped. I got to eat it. 
or you know like i don't have anything left my macros for like you know this random thing um and that kind of like makes your life you know more of a prison you know like i understand like obesity itself is like a prison but making your life your diet kind of is is just as restrictive and it makes it hard and i'm not saying that i should have just you know you know approached it more lazily and had more cheat days but i just should have i shouldn't have made my diet this incredibly restrictive controlling thing because i think that gave me a bad relationship with food that i didn't have like my mm-hmm. i'm saying my relationship with food wasn't good but like the really restrictive nature of keto really lends itself to kind of a distorted relationship and i think i gave myself one at the time i think that makes complete sense what what about you dale your the things you feel like you did right when you got started and the things that you think you might have approached wrong um as far as what i did right is is you know same kind of same thing as miles said you know i found stuff that worked for me um i think one thing that really is important for people starting out on a significant weight loss journey is to just not overcomplicate it. Um, and anybody asks me for advice on starting keto, they get the same answer from me. I don't want you to eat anything sweet for like two weeks to a month. Like, don't go buy, don't don't be eating Quest bars, don't be making keto desserts. You don't need to go buy stevia and almond flour on day one. Like, you're setting yourself up for failure by making substitute foods all the time. So. That was one thing that helped me out is that I just, I absolutely didn't try and make any substitute stuff. Like, I mean, I think the closest thing I got was a pizza, but really that's sausage with sauce and cheese on it. You know what I mean? So it's not, I I wasn't playing around with, with the sweets and the almond flour and all that kind of, all that kind of garbage until later in. But as far as what I did wrong, I'd kind of agree with Miles. Like I, I, I overdid the whole diet thing. I would I was finding myself like not wanting to hang out with people and, and go to social events because if there was going to be food there because I didn't want to have to explain myself and why I wasn't partaking and stuff. Um, I didn't. I've never really touched on this before, but the first year of keto was like the most rough amongst my group of friends and whatnot because like I had a couple of friends that were just kind of dicks about it, like. One of them would take a big bite of something junky and be like, oh my god, this tastes so good, blah, 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 carbs. And it's like, you're overweight. Like, why are you being a, why are you being a jackass when I'm trying to not die? Like, hey, you're supposed to be my friend, right? <laughs> but I, I agree with Miles where it gets to the point where you you become your diet's identity. Because when as soon as he said that, I thought of the time that one of my gym buddies literally bought me a couple of F-bomb nut butter packets to give me because they said keto on them mm. and i was like i'm this guy now and i think that's that's probably something hard for someone who's either recently into their weight loss journey or just getting started to because once something starts to work for you you get excited about it and so I oh think yeah there's a natural desire to kind of start to build your life around something but that's why i wanted to talk to you guys because i think there's this perspective that you can get when you look back and it's hard for someone who's in the thick of it to hear, but it's this idea of, you know, hopefully giving them a message about what happens when you start to do that. Like what are some, you know, what are the things that you need to weigh out in terms of like life priorities? (laughs) Like what are your overall priorities? Like if, if saving your life is, is an urgency, like obviously, like you said, like staying focused is important and finding the tools you need is really important. But I think that has to be balanced with this idea of you have a life to save. Like, what are you saving? Sure. 
Like, what do you, you don't want to sacrifice your life at the, you know, get through that weight loss journey and come to the end and realize that you've, you've burned a lot of bridges or, you know, had all these different things happen where you've lost sight of what the life you wanted to get to was. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think it goes back to you. You have to figure out why you're doing it. And I think that obviously, you know, for some people, they need to literally stay alive. You know, they're 600 something pounds and they could have a heart attack and die. Um, I mean, I had health consequences, but they weren't like, they weren't yet life threatening, but they probably would have been right. right. So part of it was just Same. health motivated. But I think, you know, if you have to think about like, what kind of life do you want? Do you want a life where you have Tupperware every day, the rest of your life? And you can't, you're terrified of trying something off plan because of the fear that you'll relapse. Or do you want to like a more sustainable life? And I think it's hard to see a more sustainable life when you're first starting, but the, the sooner you try to f- f- have that as your end goal, the more you can give yourself grace and, you know, space to kind of, you know, make things less extreme. So it definitely is hard. It's hard to, it's hard to, to tack something and like, try to like be, a, like, I think the problem is a lot of people are perfectionists and, and they, they approach it. Like I gotta be perfect with my diet. And I don't think people should be like lax because it definitely takes discipline but you know, the, the perfectionist mindset, the all or nothing mindset, the black and white mindset, like keto is very much a all or nothing diet. It's like, it eliminates a food group. Right. And so it's like, either you're in keto or you're not. And that reinforces that mentality. And so I think that's something people should just should stop and like, check, check their mental health, check like that, you know, how are they happy? Like, what do they want from life? They want a life where they can, you know, go to social events. And so that takes a little bit of skill. Like, you know, I, I didn't have anybody you know, like waving pie in my face. Um, and a lot of the, the, the social issues were in my head, right. I could have just gone to the party and, and did my own thing. And, you know, people pay way less attention to you than you think they do. Um, but other people have different challenges. They have grandma being like, why aren't you eating my cake? And they have their, their spouse who wants to eat something. So I think trying to navigate those challenges can be difficult. And then, you know, hindsight is beneficial. I can look back and say, well, I was obsessed, but the time I was trying to like, be perfect for my diet. And so I think if I was doing it differently, I would have realized that I, I can't be an extreme grinding person day in and day out for years. Cause that's going to burn me out. Mm. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's a great perspective and it kind of leads me to like the next question, because I think something like you, you were talking about this a little bit, miles, like I think people want there to be one answer. Like I, I think people want to be handed like, a printed meal plan that is the one answer of what they need to eat every day for the rest of their lives. And that's, that's what it means. That's what it takes. But when people are looking at losing the amounts of weight that we've all lost, we know that it's not just the same answer on day one is the same answer on day 100 on day 1000 and, and forward. Like there's an evolution that I think is important to gain some perspective on. So I would throw out the question, like, do you think Throughout the, your kind of that active period of you losing weight, like, do you think your even your relate the way you approach keto did it change at all? Like, has it ebbed and flowed? Like, what what did that evolution look like for you each? Oh, it, it, it changed a lot. I mean, it changed for me just being like, okay, I, I can't eat carbs anymore, and I can eat all these other things. To like trying to examine my relationship with food, like I think that you know, no one. I mean, I say that. Um, I overate and that's why I'm, I was fat, but like very few people just overeat without some sort of like trigger in their life, you know, some trauma or stress or something. There's, there's some sort of factor there. And I think I had to like, like, you know, over time, try to 
analyze like what what foods make me overeat you know because it's not just carbs there's foods that aren't carbs that make me want to overeat in like what situations am i going to overeat in like what are the emotional triggers here you know because maybe once i got my blood sugar under control i wasn't ravenous but you know i don't ever just walk into my fridge and mindlessly eat bacon but i certainly wouldn't walk into room and mindlessly eat nuts and so like why why what about nuts and like you know why do i overeat when i'm at this this event so i kind of had to like slowly think about what was causing me to eat more than I needed to. Um, you know, did I eat when I was angry? Did I eat when I was happy? I think I, ha I think I just thought about things like more scientifically or intellectually or emotionally. Like it gave me more, more of self-awareness. I think I dealt more self-awareness and that kind of allowed me to alter things like plan for events. Like I know I, you know, it may sound like, like, um, like, uh, defeatism but i knew that hey if i'm going on on vacation i'm going to overeat on vacation so i need to how do i plan for that right how do i plan to limit damage because i know i'm not going to be perfect and i know that i still want to come out of this vacation in a place where i can keep losing weight so how, what do i do or i i thought about hey you know it's thanksgiving or christmas i'm probably going to indulge on something right so what 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 can i do to kind of mitigate that damage rather than like waking up the next day and being like, Oh, everything's a failure. I kind of had to realize I wasn't perfect. And I couldn't grind all the time. And that allowed me to kind of adapt on the fly. And that, I think that made, made things more sustainable because, you know, I had failures and relapses, but they're never like catastrophic because I always kind of plan for them, you know, and then learn from them, um, learn from them in a way that I could like inform myself in the future so that every failure was a lesson. I think that's what made, made things successful. So over time, I kind of, thought about the whys, like, why do I want to do X? Why do I want to do like, you know, Y and Z, you know, why do I feel this way more than just like, Oh, I have this many calories, this many macros, because some days you're hungry. Some days you're not hungry. Some days you're just, you know, you want to eat everything. Like there are some days you're stressed out. So like, you have to think about it more than just the food. You have to think about the, the mental side of it and the emotional side of it. And so I think I shifted from just food to more like, how can I be mindful about this process? And what it, you know, and Miles, I, I do want to, I ask a quick follow-up question before we move on to Dale, like someone here, you talk about that, building that mindfulness, like what is your advice for someone who's never even given any thought to those issues before? Like, where do you think they should start out kind of taking that side of the journey seriously? I think it just, I think it just comes down to just, you, I don't know how to, how to, how to explain it in a way that's clear, but from someone who's never thought about it, but you have to think about like you have to get more in tune with your emotions and then if your moods and then accept them rather than rejecting them. So if you're sad, if you're angry, if you're upset, if you are hungry, you know, some of these are, are emotions and feelings. So you have to, you have to like acknowledge that you're having them. And then you have to think about, okay, well I'm having them and this, you know, maybe I don't like it, but this is what I'm having. So why, you know, like what, what, what could be the cause of it, you know, and it just slow down and think about it, be present with the feeling. I think all feelings that we have um, are, you know, they're not who we are, but we have them. We kind of have to, you know, accept that, you know, we feel bad today, but we won't feel bad tomorrow. We feel happy today. We won't, we won't be happy tomorrow. So kind of just getting slowing down and thinking about our feelings and our thoughts and our emotions. Um, Cause I never thought about that at all for years of my life. I was just kind of mindless. And I think it's hard to kind of go from someone who doesn't think about these things to thinking about them on a daily basis. Um, and I think it just takes, it's like a, a, a baby steps. You can't just overnight go from, you know, um, like a drone to somebody who has like, you know, some sort of Zen enlightenment. That's not what it's like. It's a, it's a daily journey. 
And so I think you just start piece by piece. I think like no one, like no one masters everything overnight and life would be boring if you did. You kind of take it day by day and every day you get better and you, sometimes you fail, but sometimes you win. And as long as you win more than you fail, then that's how you make progress. And so I think I just, over time, just thought about it. And it's like, I'm in this journey 10 years and I still think about, um, there's still foods that still give me issues. And I'm still thinking like, what, what about this issue? Is it, is this food, is it purely the, the ingredients of this food that make me want to eat more of it? Or is it, do I associate it with, with some sort of like hedonistic pleasure or a social context? Um, is there something that I can't keep in my house for some reason? I kind I still have to like think about it, um, to be more, more present. And I think that makes me allow, allows me to enjoy food more because, you know, maybe a bag of Doritos is delicious, but are you really enjoying it? If you eat the entire bag of Doritos in five minutes, are you really enjoying each chip? It's just like mindlessly shoving in your mouth. But if you slow down, you can actually savor food and enjoy it. And I think that makes life more pleasurable. No, and I, I think that's it. Like, I, I like to tell people, like, you got to think about it like it's a workout. Like, it's, it's getting better at the gym. Like, mindfulness is not something that appears overnight. It's something you have to actually work on and get stronger at doing. And it takes time. Like you said, yeah. like it takes yeah, years. It's like, it's a, it's like a, it's a, I think like it's a, it's um it's exercise. Like if you have if fitness, if like health and nutrition, health and fitness is like, there's a nutritional component. There's a movement component. I think there's a mental component. Um, I know that sound woo woo to some people, but I think my life, you know, I'm far more successful and far more happier in life because I took some time to, to explore mindfulness and slow down and think about, you know, my emotions and my feelings. And, and what about you, Dale? And when you think about like the, the evolution of your journey from like day one to when you were in the thick of it, like how did, how did that evolve for you? So, I mean, initially, like I said, it was, it was just like Miles said, it was mostly just about not eating carbs. Um, I wasn't really tracking anything um, calorie wise and whatnot until I, um, really got to a point where I was really comfortable and kind of just cruising along of the diet. And eventually I hit a point where the weight started to slow down pretty significantly. But I mean, I lost 150 pounds in a year, so it was still pretty, you know, still going, going pretty well. But, um, after that, I kind of started looking into more of the keto stuff and, and, and a lot of the keto stuff when I started was, was all new research, right? Like they didn't, it, it, this was all new to everybody for the most part. There was Atkins, but what were the rules to Atkins? You know, they had like weird phases and stuff. So I started getting more into the, like trying to, try to, I don't know, micromanage everything and, and let, learn about macros and all that stuff. And then it, that was back when the 60, 35, five ratio or 65, 35, whatever it was, the, that was the golden ratio for keto. So I started trying to, do it that way. And I was like, well, I want to eat X calories a day. So I'm looking back and, and like the way I was, well, the way I was doing stuff, I was like, I was a 350 pounds and I was eating like 107 grams of protein a day. Cause I was trying to get as low calories as possible, but still be able to function and stuff. And I think my, my evolution didn't so much go as far as Miles's did, as far as trying to learn mindfulness and why I was eating certain things it just it became more about micromanaging the food that i was eating and i think that was why i got to a pretty bad place um towards you know the end of my weight loss journey i suppose cuz where where he talks about you know learning mindfulness and trying to find out why your triggers are what you are my whole thing was this you can't give in to your triggers ever period 
you are, are taking your food scale and your body scale on vacation with you and you're like you're eating out of Tupperware at family events and there is no other option. You will not indulge unless it's one of your planned one day off sort of thing. And then like, you know, once I hit kind of the end of end of my journey when I was at my leanest, then I would start like having days where I would just go absolutely off the rails for like three and four days at a time, but then just force myself to go back and, you know, continue to micromanage my food and trying to calculate how much damage I had done. Like, you know, like Miles said, he'd, he'd try and figure out how to, how to mitigate the damage. And I was, I was trying to figure out how to just make it go away. And I, I, I never worked on that part of it. So that, I guess that's something that I probably still kind of struggle with a little bit. Is it, you know, where he can, he can like listen to himself and kind of talk it out and say, why am I doing this? Why is, uh, why is this happening? Why am I eating this? What's it doing for me mentally? Why, what, what triggers are putting me there? And my part of my thing was just like, yeah, I know exactly why I'm doing this and I don't care. You know what I mean? So I guess, like I said, as my evolution kind of went along, it, it, it became more about it becoming an obsession than it did trying to find, um, you know, the why, I guess. So that's where I ended up where I did. Which I think is important for us to talk about. The the fact that there's, for lack of a, a I guess for, to use some scary language, like there's a darker side to weight loss. There's a darker side to like when that, when that relationship goes to that place, because let, let's be honest, if we didn't have a great relationship with food to begin with, it's not something that gets repaired overnight. It's not even something that gets repaired in a few years. It's something that is a, you know, well, constantly growing. We're constantly learning from it, well, but it, yeah, can, I mean, it can get to a bad place. Go ahead, Miles. Uh, well, I mean, what I, what I want to say is like, I think the best metaphor for, I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a TV show now that's really popular called Squid Game. And I won't go into the plot of it, but it involves people who are all in debt and they're lured into a violent game with a chance of their debts being wiped out. I remember seeing that show and thinking, well, that's not going to solve any of their problems because they're just going to go right back in the debt. Because if you're in debt, you have debtor behaviors. You need to get out of debt by creating habits of people who, who can spend less money than they take in. And I was in a lot of debt after law school. And now I have pretty healthy finances, but it's because I had to build habits to to spend money responsibly. Now, if you if you are overweight and you're obese, you do not have a healthy relationship with food. You probably have some mental trauma or other issues, and a diet isn't going to fix that. You have to fix that through, through doing um, probably far more challenging work. And so, if you just say, "Okay, I'm going to eat 2,000 calories every day and I'll lose weight." When, you're, when you get to the finish line, you're still a mess emotionally. You're still a mess mentally because you haven't built the habits of somebody who has a good relationship with food. All you've built is like, I can I can track calories, I can weigh food, but you still haven't got to the issue that made you fat in the first place. So like, I think there's two components to weight loss. There's the, there's the skill of, you know, the food, eating the food, and then there's the skill of unpacking why why you why you want to eat more <laughs> than it takes to maintain your weight and if you don't do any of that work you're, you're you're not really going to be in a healthy place you're just going to be like somebody won the lottery and then you're going to be broke two months later well i think that's that i i live that you know when i when i my first kind of massive weight loss when i get down you know went from 540 to 210 and put on 270 pounds in six months because i had done zero of that work i had focused exclusively on moving the scale 
and eating the food and white knuckling through everything else and living that place of, I guess I'll deal with that when I deal with that and never did. And it really, it's why like one of the main things I try to work on with clients is let's work on that now instead of putting that off till the end, instead of putting that off till you get to that place and realize that you haven't built any of those skills you need to keep you there. And for people who are listening who are in the journeys, I'm not saying like, don't, don't wait to start. That's the worst thing. The over analysis, they don't have this all figured out. Like, no, you figure it out as you go, but the sooner you start trying to work on it, the better you'll be. And well, Dale, and Dale, that's why I would ask, like, in terms of like where, you know, because you were at your lowest weight, you know, we're going back a couple of years now. Like, how has that evolved for you now? Like, where, where, where is your perspective at today? Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. I still, I've got some, some work to do. There was, you know, I was coming out of being at my lowest and I was intentionally gaining weight. And I think that was, that was about when I was at my best place mentally. But like, I I guess I never really did a lot of the work that you guys are, I'm, I'm kind of like having a, having like a mental revelation right now because like where, where I where I did the work to try and um, realize that I could moderate stuff, I I never really unpacked why I was like my behaviors, not even the foods that I'm eating, but my my eating behaviors are right. So, um, I guess you know, like I said, coming out coming out of my lowest was probably where I was the best because I was intentionally gaining weight, but I was still doing it relatively cleanly. Mostly keto, but indulging every now and again. And then, like, <laughs> it was like an emotional blindside came out of nowhere. Because I think the first place that I, like, really started to spiral was when my dad died when I was 15. And then early 2019, uh, sorry, early 2020, before COVID, my grandma died. She was, like, my second mom. Like, she helped raise me. And that... When, when she died, I, I stress ate for the first time in my life. And and that actually started something in me. So, like, right now I'm, I'm kind of, like, trying to lose weight, but at the very least I'm maintaining, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not really gaining weight right now, but I'm not really losing it either. Um, so... It, I, I think I'm gonna have to 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 work on my my mental side of why my my food habits are the way that they are more than the context of what I'm actually eating in order to get back to where I need to be. And I think that it that illustrates for people listening that there's no there's no perfect path. Like there is there is no one way to say X Y. You know, like we like I think Miles was the one who said it earlier. You know. We all have, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty on everything, but these these journey like this to me exemplifies, you know, what I would even say for myself, like these journeys never end. You know, it is going to be about things that we we work on for a long time, and there's going to be times where we have victories, and there's going to be times where we have challenges. But it's the idea that you keep yourself moving. You know, you keep yourself moving forward, and being willing. I think it's really that's really important for people to hear is that idea of saying, "I had this success." But I know that there are things that I need to work on. You know, it's there's no perfect place. And, and I think Miles would agree. You know, he can chime in here like he knows that he's not 100 percent perfect in, in every behavior. And there's probably still challenges that he faces, you know, of, of many different kinds. And 
we all go through that. And I think that's why I wanted us Freaking to really that talk. man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Miles, were you going to say something? I didn't want to cut you off. No, it's... Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that... I think some people... People think that... Oh, I, you know, people are losing weight. Like, you know, I, I'm going to lose weight. And then um, they're the end. And... There is no, I mean, it's a cliche, but there's no finish line. And like, I don't, I know very few people that just one day decided to lose weight and then they lost weight and now they're skinny with no problems, you know, no regain, no, no relapses, nothing. I think it's a jagged line. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they, they make progress and then they make some relapses and they make progress. And it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. And I think like the longer you've been overweight or had those food issues, the more they're burned into your system. And you can, you know, you can reprogram yourself, but it takes a long time. So I think it's a, it's a constant struggle. Anyone who says it's easy is lying. <laughs> it's hard, you know? Um, <clears throat> um, so it's, it's, it's like figuring out. And I think you always like figuring out like what Dale said about, you know, losing a bunch of weight and then being skinny, you know, like it, you, you, maybe you think, oh, if I lose a bunch of weight, then I'll be happy. And then you lose a bunch of weight and you realize you're not happy. And then you have to sit back and say, why am I not happy? Like, you know, maybe maybe, maybe being fat wasn't really, it wasn't causing a lot of the problems that I had. Maybe it's being fat was caused by the problems that I had and I have to address those problems. And so I think like you kind of have to figure out, you have to be prepared for, for, for things not to go the way you plan them. Right. Because I know that when I was at my lowest weight, I was miserable, but I thought I would be happy and I wasn't. And I had to figure out like, okay, why do I feel that way? And what actually makes me happy and what kind of body do I want and what kind of body do I need? Um, you know, what, what, what's a trade-off because the effort of being like shredded for, for like a bodybuilding show, like kind of destroys your life mentally, but also, you know, being out of shape can, can destroy you physically. So how do you find the balance? And I think like that is the, the end game, which lasts years, if not the rest of your life. Being shredded destroyed me mentally and physically because I was tired and cranky and cold all the time. And I was weak as a kitten and it was stupid, but like, as easy it is as it is to fall into like a disordered eating pattern and gain a bunch of weight, if if you're like one of those hyper motivated obsessive people like I am, it's easy to fall into the other side of it because I had absolutely no reason to get that lean aside from vanity and like I wasn't I wasn't about to step out on stage it like and and I didn't realize at the time I was not setting myself up for future success because I was so obsessed with weighing and tracking and portioning every single thing in my life to the point where, like I said, I'd take my food scale on vacation. Like I'm, I'm not gonna do that forever. So why should I start now? I, no, I, I've, I was just kind of rambling, <laughs> which is okay. Uh, I think that's that's really one of the things like I, for myself like and and even for other I've had a several conversations with people this week about this idea that you know when we start our weight loss journeys we have this idea that we're going to do what we need to do to get to the place we want to get to and then when we get there it's just you're going to go that's when you quote unquote go back to normal you know that's when you're going to quote you're going to go back and it really is about letting go of that place you were in and realizing that where you're going to is somewhere new and you're going to get to define what that place is, but it's going to take work to define what that place is to kind of be in line with 
what your goals are and like miles was saying you know what your body what you want your body to be like and how you want your life to be and what are all the things that are really important to you and that might not have been things that you thought about before because you had other concerns like when when you've got a concern that the way you're living is going to kill you when you're fine like and, and miles you and i have discussed this many times like you know my initial why being like wanting to 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 live you know wanting to live not wanting to die eventually i reach a point where i'm not in in danger so then how does that impact the why of what I'm doing? Like, where does the motivation come from? What does that motivation need to look like? Allowing that to evolve and be something new is just so important. Yeah. I mean, like the reason why you do something can always change. And I think it's not like, it's not failure to change the reason why you're doing something. It doesn't make the work you did previously like fraudulent or something. You like life, your, your goals in life change, your motivations in life change. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's normal. Yeah. I mean, like, when all the gyms and everything closed and Spartan races were over, like I don't really particularly like running. So I didn't go to do that. So I kind of found myself in a weird space there. And like, even after the gyms opened back up, like the, the whole mud race stuff was still pretty much off for the most part. So I had no motivation to try and do any sort of cardio. So I was like, I'm just going to try and get really strong. But you know, like my goals changed, but then I realized that I'm also getting fatter in order to do so. And it, it's, it's just like my, that, that kind of overtook and, and became my goal for a while to just get as strong as humanly possible. But I wasn't realizing the damage that I could have been doing to myself with all the weight that I was gaining. So I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just weird to see, just to see how things, your perspective changes on, on things as, as you go along in your journey. Um, I know you just decided to become a mountain man, which is like super cool. <clears throat> and that would be miles. Who's becoming a mountain man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm, I, it, I, I'm a coastal dweller, but you know, he's, he, yeah, he is, yeah, he is for a mountain sure. climber. No, it, I don't it, know. It's, yeah. No, I, I just think that you have to be willing to, I think allowing that evolution to happen is something that takes work in and of itself. Just, just giving yourself permission to allow those things to evolve, you know, because we want to have clear, definite answers and allowing yourself to exist in gray areas, gray areas is really hard because it's not about anymore about, I have, I have this X on a map that I'm trying to get to. And that's the only thing that I'm chasing it's about allowing there to be 10 different X's in front of you and they're all important and they all take priority at different times. And you have to be willing to allow which ones you're moving towards to change at times. Mm-hmm. And like, I've never had, like I haven't had the, the kind of adversity that the entire world has had for like the last two years, you know, like I, I didn't prepare myself for what I would do in a situation like we're living right now. Like, I know COVID was, and it still is, it's been hell on people for the last two years. And I guess I never I never thought about how something like this could affect me mentally and in my everyday life. But that, I mean, that's a big factor of, I think, of why I've, I've been the way that I've been over the last couple of years. And I think that the fact that I've given myself grace about the fact that we're living in a very stressful time has only made it worse because I'm like, oh, well, you can blame it on all this that's going on right now. And I think that's a, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of a slippery slope to get into, but. Well, it's funny. You said, you said the phrase giving yourself grace, because that actually 
was something I, that was popping into my head. This idea of how do we balance when? How do we balance giving ourselves grace and allowing it to become excuses? You know, allowing it to become yeah, exactly. La- allowing it to become something that allows us that now my sentence phrasing is awful, but allows old behavior to come back because we're saying, you know, I, and I've seen it, you know, and I've been there, like the world is ending, you know, yeah. my, my career went away. Like I, I use that as an excuse right. many times, like to make poor food choices last year. Like how do we, yep. how do we get back to that place of giving ourselves grace in a healthy way and not allowing it to overtake us and, and excuse behavior? Like what thoughts do either of you have on that? I mean, I, I think it's hard. I mean, I think it's it's easy it's easy to tell yourself, oh, you know, it's a stressful time. Um, you know, I have all these challenges, so it's okay if I gain weight. And I mean, there's some truth there, right? I mean, if you're somebody who lost your job in sure. your house and you're, you're you're panicking, well, you know, your priorities have changed. Your priorities are now like riding the financial ship. But um, I'm a I'm a big believer in the notion, like how we do one thing is how we do most things, right? Like it's rarely do somebody an expert at one thing or like really disciplined in one area of their life and just totally like out of, out of shape in the other. I mean, I know there's some exceptions, exceptions there, but like, I think, you know, just kind of having discipline is a skill that permeates a lot of things you do. Um, and I think finding the balance, I mean, so many things in life come down to like finding the balance, you know, not worrying about things you can't control, you know, not sweating the small stuff, but you still have to, care about things you still have to sweat some small details right and i think finding the right balance is like a, a never-ending challenge um so not to downplay all the stuff that people have dealt with in the past year and a half but you still can't let that you can you can really go down a slippery slope as dale said to be like well you know life is terrible so why not eat the pizza all the time you still have to realize that i mean i think it comes back down to thinking about like things are bad now they can be terrible now, but they're not going to be bad all the time. So I can't live my life as if tomorrow right. won't be better, you know, because that's just going to set yourself over failure. Well, and and I, I think as as former sev- severely overweight individuals, I, I can't think of, of, of nice phrasing for that. Um, we would allow personal pandemics to be the excuses for things many times in our lives. Like the difference yeah. now is that the whole world is going through this common experience together. So it's almost like, Hey, everyone else is in on this. Like, you know, there's, right, right. there's now there's some camaraderie in our, in, in making these choices. Like it's almost like in some ways it, it's more dangerous because now it's not just, I'm personally creating reasons in my head that I'm allowing this behavior to continue. Now it's that th- those reasons literally are on, are on, everybody the, else. Right. Is okay. You know, every, everyone else is like, you know, and I mean, I've, I've talked to people like I, I I've talked to people that I started working with where, they were like, last year went really bad because they got into this place of they allowed the panic of, well, will my favorite pizza place exist when this is over? Will this place exist when this is over? Will they still? Will I ever be able to see this on a grocery store shelf again? And allowed that to be a reason to go back to that place. And they realize now looking at it, it's like, well, you know, it's it's the same thing that people who are still sitting on top of toilet paper hoards, I'm sure, are like, did I really need to fill my garage with toilet paper? They eventually well, well, there was toilet paper back. I think, I mean, I think that there's some, some behaviors that are just reinforced by that because it, it goes back to scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. Some people who are, who deal with obesity have scarcity yeah. mentality. There won't be enough. So I need to get what I can now. And I think, I still think it's silly to be like, well, my restaurant's going to close. So I better eat all the food, you know, before it closes. I mean, do I really need the, the best food from this restaurant? 
like tomorrow or next month, you know, I'm sure I can find something else, but it, like that scarcity mentality can kick in and like, I gotta get it when I can get it. I think that reinforces it. Dude, I mean, I think, FOMO, you know, this is a time when FOMO is I, food. I, I've noticed a lot of people in my life. Yeah. No, go ahead, Miles. What? You know, you said, you know, oh, I was saying I've noticed a lot of people, a lot of people in my life, um, you know, have struggled with weight during COVID and that can make it easy to be like, oh, well, everyone else is. So, you know, I can hide in that or something, but you still have to, you, you can't, you can't really compare yourself to others and you can only compare yourself to yourself. And I think on the day you have to be like, am I being a better version of myself or, or am I being a worse version of myself? Cause that's all that really matters. It doesn't really matter right. what anyone else is doing. It's like, I don't, well, if I say I'm having trouble because I've gained weight during COVID, I don't need other people to say, well, you know, it's a stressful time. It's okay. I want to go, I want them to say, yes, you have let yourself go. You need to lose some weight. <laughs> like, I, I don't want people to forgive me for it. I want them to say, yeah, you're right. Do something about it. <laughs> well, but I, like, I, like, I don't think, give me permission. <laughs> but it also, it comes down more to like giving ourselves permission, you know, like, sure, give, you yeah. know, dealing with that ourselves. Like, how do we, you know, get like miles said like it's it, it's it's so hard to pull yourself out of that comparison place because it enables behavior it enables those things and dude food fomo is a real thing like limited edition products going away like my fat little heart can't take mm. it sometimes <laughs> understood understood so let's one of the things i think a lot of what we're talking about right now relates to is what happens when we're in a place of maintenance? Like I yeah. think, cause like I even think about like when I've given myself what I, you know, consider like kind of like off plan choices and things along those lines. Like I don't really like the cheat meal language, but you know, one of the things that I realized was when I used to do that, it was always about, like you were saying Dale, like it was about FOMO of, well, I'm only giving myself X amount of time. So during that time I have to get everything that I'm not going to give myself again. You know, like allowing, Dude, like I had lists. living in that, yeah, like planning and plotting, and you know, okay, like I remember, like there were, I remember there was a day where I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow myself to have Reese's peanut butter cups today. You know, we, all of us have at various points had discussions about Reese's peanut butter cups, and we also know that sometimes you bite into a Reese's peanut butter cup, and yeah. it's the chalky old one that is not good. And I remember yeah. being like, yeah. well. I didn't get the I didn't get the perfect peanut butter cup, so I'm now going to give myself permission to chase peanut butter cups until I get the perfect peanut butter cup. You know, like allowing it to right. be that place of well, I'm you know, and I'm not going to let myself do this again the next day. So I better do this today. Like, what what else am I missing today that I'm not in on? Like, what can yep. start as like a small thing for me can snowball very easily. Like, it's easy to fall into that place of well, I'm going to miss out on this, so I got to get everything that I can in, and getting to that place where you're balancing and, and I like how Miles put it, you know, going back to throwing back to, you know, 20 minutes ago, like that idea of, you know, that bag of Doritos, like, do you really enjoy the family size bag of Doritos if you're trying to eat it, you know, in five minutes or can you have a couple Doritos and savor them and enjoy the experience? You know, now I feel like an, you know, a weirdo discussing the experience of a Dorito, but I mean, the first what does bite that mean? tastes the same as the last. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think, I mean, obviously, I mean, I like Doritos. I like Oreos as much as anybody else, but it's really easy to mindlessly eat them. Um, and what I think I was listening to some podcast a couple of years ago and it was talking about um, people who have addictions, you know, to shopping. It was the example they're using. And they were talking about how people who hoard things or shop, they feel like if I just have more of these things, I'll be happy or if I, if I or they'll fill some sort of void. 
And I think the same thing can be true for food. We think that, you know, maybe we don't think it consciously, but somewhere in our minds, we're like, we need more of this. It'll make us happy or it'll, it'll, it'll bring something to us. And it's not really doing that. And I think recognizing that eating seven Oreos or 10 Oreos is not really going to bring you anything. Um, and, you know, just because you don't what get to have... What if they're different flavored Oreos? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I think that, that's a little bit different. But, like, you know, you have to realize that the, the, Oreos, the Oreo is always going to be there. It's not going away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And neither is the Pop-Tart. And neither is, the, like, an amazing thing. There's always going to be another opportunity to have it. And maybe, you know, I can't say that, you know, that I know for a fact that Oreos always be there. But I, my life is a lot better if I believe it. What if what if sugar cookie pop tarts don't come back next year though, Miles? Like, what are you gonna do then? I don't make it. That'd be a pretty sad Christmas. Mm, yeah, well, we, we could talk about carb mess in a bit, but <laughs> I I do want to say, Dale, like one one of the reasons like I want you know this discussion even to happen is one of the things that you a lesson that you taught me during your first appearance on this podcast had to go with this idea of is a food experience worth it. You know, that idea of making that determination of a worth it experience. And it's an idea that has evolved in a lot of ways for me to be something that I talk with people about all the time. Like, is is it about just, is it about that plain Oreo that you can find anywhere at any time? Or is it about a, an experience, like you were saying, like a, a limited edition Oreo that you have flown in from Japan? Like, there's a difference to you know, that perspective of, of whether something, and, you know, and I know we're using Oreos as an example, but I mean like worth it. Like I, I, I talk, I, I have a client that I talk to a lot about, you know, what do they want their life to look like when they lose weight? And one of the things that comes up a lot is the idea of going to get an ice cream cone with their kids, you know, and having that ice cream, co- that one scoop ice cream cone with their kids, that experience of sharing that, you know, going to the local ice cream place where they make the ice cream and having that experience with them because you're with them being that the worth it part of it, but standing in front of the freezer at night when everyone else is in bed, eating ice cream out of a, you know, a Kroger's container is not the same thing. And trying to learn about that is something that some people can, and then some people never can. You know, there are some people that, you know, that's the other thing is like accepting your, you know, meeting yourself where you're at and knowing what you can handle personally and what you can't handle is, is another big factor, I think, in all of this. But that idea of, worth it experiences, I think starts to come into play, especially when you're in that place of maintenance. Like, because the other thing that's really easy is if you want to say that I'm going to give myself a a treat every holiday, we know right now that there is a food holiday every day of the year, thanks to the internet, you know, to social media, like every day you open up something and there's a, you know, hashtag chocolate chip cookie day, hashtag Oreo day, hashtag, you know, slow churned ice cream day, hashtag frozen yogurt day. Like, they exist. Like you could find it was a National million Dessert Day a couple days ago. Like you, you, you could always find something to celebrate. Like it's about right. having bigger picture perspective on what worth it means to you. Like, I, go ahead, go ahead, Miles. Oh, I think you know that the what worth it has evolved for me. I'm sure it's evolved for Dale and for you. Worth it for me merely used to mean like, is this like a unique culinary experience or delicious culinary experience? Like I'll use example of traveling abroad, something I didn't get to do during COVID, but like if I'm going to Italy, I'm going to eat some nice pasta in Italy and that's worth it experience, right? Versus, you know, a box of Velveeta shells at home, which is delicious, but it's not really worth it, right? It's not worth how it makes me feel like the Italian one. But I think that's evolved to be a social thing um, as well. So, like, the example of the ice cream cone with your kid is great. So, like, I, I get together with my friends, um, like, a couple times a year um, on a vacation house, and we all cook for each other. 
and we all have different diets. We have, you know, uh, someone who's plant-based, someone who's dairy and gluten-free and I lean keto and we all make these different meals to try to fit, fit the diet. But there's value in me trying something that's off my plan that my friend made because my friend made it. And even, even if it doesn't taste very good, the fact they made it is like something that I want to experience. And I would feel disconnected if I was sitting there with my Tupperware, I wouldn't be present. And, you know, Mike, to, to steal something from one of one of your friends, um, Matt Vincent, Matt Vincent talks a lot about drug use and how you can use drugs to connect and you can use drugs to disconnect. And it's a problem if you come home from work every day and have alcohol because you don't want to feel things. But it's not a problem if you're at a party and you, you want to have a drink so that you can be in the moment with the people, right? And food is a drug if you're an obese person. It's there's plain and simple. It's a drug that you're addicted to. And so you can use food to connect and you can use food food to disconnect. If you're you know, you're disconnecting from reality for sitting in the fridge or while sleeping, sneaking Ben and Jerry's, but you're you're connecting with people if you're trying this weird, you know, unique flavor of ice cream together. You know what I mean? And so you you still have to find balance, but to me, connecting with people and being present for those social experiences is worth it. And I had to realize that and not fight it because the more I, f- I fought it, the more I had problems with my diet. No, I, I think that's, and, and the hard thing, I think probably for some people listening is that is a place that you get to eventually through doing the work, doing the physical, the mental and the nutritional work. Like it's not just somewhere that you wake up one day and you can have that perspective because it, you know, it, it is about getting to getting to that and realizing that like, and, and I think you might've been the one that said this miles, like there are still some foods where you have it and you're like, I don't, what, why does this food do this to me still? Why do I still have these thoughts and yeah. feelings about this food? Yeah. Like, I think that's really important. Like, especially when you get into this idea, you know, when people talk about maintenance, they talk about, you know, especially people that have food issues, talk about abstaining and moderating. And, a lot, often it's talked about as like an all or nothing game. You know, it's talked about as you're either 100% one or 100% the other. And I think it's possible if you're willing to do the work to realize that there are things that you can approach from a moderating place. And then there are things that because of different things going on at various points, you need to, re- you need to remain oh, an abstainer from. Oh yeah. Yeah. And for me, for me, the one of my ultimate sugar foods is nuts and nuts are, you know, I mean, I don't think any, some foods, I guess you can say are keto, but foods aren't really keto, you know, like the diet's keto, right? Um, right. I still can't, portions I still can't moderate like nuts. I, I, to this day, I've tried like endlessly to be able to moderate nuts. I can't do it. I can moderate Oreos. I can moderate ice cream. I can't moderate nuts. And so I know that if I buy a bunch of nuts, it's setting myself over failure. You know, I, as much as I don't want to like lose that battle, I haven't been able to win it. And so I recognize that there are certain, there's more than just nuts, but nuts is the most prominent example. And that's been going on for years. But there's certain things that I can't moderate, and I, I have to accept if I buy a bunch of nuts, I'm probably going to eat most of these nuts. Can I accept that? You know, and sometimes I can, but but I usually I can't. And so I have to put myself in a position for failure or to mitigate that damage somehow, you know? So I know that if I'm going to go, like if I'm getting together with some friends and we're all grocery shopping together, I'm just going to say, hey, can we not have nuts? Because I know that I'm just going to mindlessly, mindlessly snack on these things. You know what I mean? Like those are things you can do you know, to kind of set yourself up for success. And it takes time to realize that. But I, I wish I could moderate those things, but I can't. And my nuts can be someone else's ice cream cone. You know, I can have one ice cream cone and not think about ice cream, you know, for months at a time, you know, if I really wanted to, but I can't do with other things. And so I think you, you have to accept that maybe there's things that you want to have, but maybe you can't, you know, 
maybe some things you can with a lot of work, but some things you'll never be able to achieve. And you have to figure out, you have to be able to accept that and kind of work around it. And I think making peace with that is the biggest challenge. Like accept, like you're, the, the word acceptance is so important. Like accepting yourself where you're at can be so important, is, is just urgent in a lot of ways when, you, when you're on these different journeys. Like understanding that you have that relationship and you might not have all the answers about it. And maybe you're just not willing to dive in, like not, not willing to go down that Y road. So right now you have to accept this is where I'm at with this food and I'm okay with it. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a broken person. Like it just means it is what it is. And there's, there's a peace that can come with that acceptance. And I think well, that's I mean, the hard it, thing that for people to come to. I think, I think it is. You have to, you, you have to make peace of it and acceptance is hard, but you have to, I mean, you just have to pretend like, you know, whatever your vice is, is like meth. I'm sure some, someone out there can smoke some meth and get back on with their lives. But a lot of people struggle with it. Right. So you, <laughs> But you wouldn't you wouldn't criticize the person for struggling with meth because it's a it's a hyper it's a hyper addictive drug. But most of these foods are hyper palatable and engineered to be hyper palatable. So they're designed to be difficult. So you have to kind of give yourself. I mean, I, I think that's what I mean by giving yourself grace. I, I, I told myself a long time ago, you struggle with these things and it's not because you're a bad person. You just struggle with them. So you have to accept that and like figure out things that you don't struggle with and kind of get stronger where you can. And it's like you can't. You can you can want to bench press five hundred pounds, but the first day you walk into the gym, you're probably not going to bench press five hundred pounds. Like, and you can't no. beat yourself up for that. Go ahead, Dale. I mean to cut you. Also, off. like, well, I was gonna say like I don't mean to sound all like tinfoil hatty and big pharma, big food conspiracy and stuff, but anybody that thinks that this like the hyper palatable foods that we eat are not hyper engineered to make you just eat all of them it, are completely out of their minds. Um, I'd also like to add in that I don't think anybody in the history of mankind has ever casually smoked meth. Yeah, I was. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure that that exists. But for example's sake, we'll let it float. We'll let, we'll let that float. I get the point you're making, but hey, you never know. There's there there is probably someone out there listening right now who's like, I I do that, you know, and. I invite them to come on the show. Yeah. Uh, I invite them to, to, to join this. I discussion. guess smoke meth every couple months is fine. But but I think a lot of what we're talking about is the less. These are the lessons that you learn along the way. You know, these are things that you come to and you have those aha moments where you're like, "Wow, now that makes sense." You know, I didn't really think about that in that context before. It's being willing to learn those lessons. It's being willing to put yourself into that place of being a life le- lifelong learner. Like that, that, you know, that's a phrase that was bandied around a lot a few years ago. Like, you know, was the hot word in training. Like, I'm a lifelong learner. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not someone because whoever just stops learning. Like, I don't think anyone ever actually does. But being conscious of that need to continue to learn and to evolve and be okay with your challenges and be okay, like being okay. Like, and that's one of the frustrations, I think, like you were talking about, Dale, the example of the friend who would take the bite of the food and be like, mm, I'm eating carbs. Like, you're going to have those people in your life that are going to say, well, why can't you just have one? You know, why is one not enough? Like, because they don't have that perspective and that experience. They're not in that context. They don't, there's probably something in their life that they can't just quote unquote have one of. But they're just not relating that at that point. But well, it's, and that's it's the a other hard thing place that to blows get to my kind of. mind. Mm-hmm. The people that are just kind of overweight that eat stuff like that, and I like they they don't understand. Like they're like, oh well, you're smaller than me. Why can't you know? I weigh more than you, so you should be able to eat an Oreo because I can eat an Oreo. And I'm like, no, you you're kind of husky, right? Like you're not obese, so 
you can have an Oreo or two. I can have a sleeve or two. Like, it doesn't work the same way in everybody's brains. And I would kill to be somebody who is just slightly overweight that could lower their portions of all the stuff that they usually eat. But, I mean... I've, I've, I just, I'm not wired the same, and as much work as I could possibly do on it, I'm probably never going to, you know, to be the kind of person that can eat everything all the time and just, and just maintain my smaller figure. And that's where the individuality, but you know, talking about like looking, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, 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 you know, going back on how you're talking about um, looking back on stuff and seeing, like, kind of retrospective, seeing the mistakes that we made and the things that we did, like, as easy as it was, because I'm not, I'm not trying to sound cocky, I'm not trying to make it sound like it wasn't hard work, but it was way easier for me to live in that disordered eating pattern and lose weight than it is in my current frame of mind. Like... Looking back, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, he's, he's, that guy is so motivated. Like, he's not eating with his friends out at this party. He's bringing Tupperware to his family events. Like, good for him. He's motivated. And I'm looking back, and I'm like, why did you people not just slap the hell out of me? Like, did you not see I was headed for a crash? But looking at that, it's it was so easy for me to stay on track like that because I, I didn't allow myself to have any fun and I don't want to be that guy again, mm-hmm. which is probably part of the reason that I'm struggling right now. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 I, re- I refuse to let myself go to that place again because losing weight can be unhealthy in itself. Well, it's about not allowing yourself to go back. You know, like, again, it, it's just as bad as allowing yourself to go back to where you were when you were almost 500 pounds. Like, it's, it's, you, it's behaviors you've identified that that doesn't work. So, again, it's about, identifying what is the new path you know what is the new place and it and again it's not easy you know it's not an easy road to navigate at any point like and that's the individuality of the of all of this that i, I was going to bring up like that, that idea that i've talked to people who feel that they got significantly overweight just because they never really knew about nutrition and no one ever talked to them about portions and once they started working on portions and all of that the weight flew off and they haven't struggled you know they struggle in other areas like it's different for every person in terms of what that relationship with food looks like for them and what yep. that, what work they need to do. And it, it just puts more stock in the idea that it's a never, it really is a never ending journey. It's not going to dude, 20 years from now, my, my dietary choices and, and my outlook on life is probably going to be different. It's just, I, I, and I've, I, I have to just make peace with that and understand that, I am where I am now, and I have to work on who I am today. So thinking about your journeys up to this point, you know, we've been talking for a while, and I I think we've brought up some really awesome things for people to think about and really think about, you know, put into context for themselves and think about where they're at. Like, when you think about it now, where you're at today, what do you think are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned, like maybe we haven't gotten into yet, or the things that just stand out to you. And I say, okay, so coming from the place you were at when you started to where you are today now and what your life looks like right now, what are the lessons that you've learned personally that stand out as most important to you? Anyone I mean, want to start? Think, Go ahead, Miles. Yeah, I think the the most important 
I don't know if there's one most important thing, but just acceptance of the fact that it's a process that doesn't really end. And, you know, Dale said, you know, he has to work on who he is today, but he could be somebody different tomorrow. I think the fact that you can be somebody different at different parts of your life, that scares some people because they want to be one person and they don't like the fact that they're changing. And you you change a lot as you lose weight, change a lot as you do a lot of things in life. And I think accepting the fact or even embracing the fact that you're going to change and your motivational change is, is a big one. So I think that I think making peace in the fact that I'm a different person today than I was, you know, six months ago and six years ago um, and kind of embracing that process has been big because it's allowed me to focus on why am I doing something like, what do I want and what makes me happy and kind of building a life that accomplishes all those things. Cause I want to be healthy and I want to be lean, you know, for vanity's sake, but I want to be happy. Most importantly, I want to be like enjoying life. And so how can I like accomplish all those things um, find balance. I think that is the most important lessons I, I learned. And I, I would, you know, concede it's not something you can maybe get from day one. It takes, I've been doing it for 10 years, right? <laughs> I think it's a long time to think about it and process it. And I didn't think about any of this stuff when I first started, I was just like, okay, don't eat bread, you know? And then it was really easy to lose weight, but and well, you know, it was just, it was a different thing. Now I'm like, I'm, I'm focused on a lot of things. And you know, when am I willing to make sacrifices, you know? Um, like, for example, I mean, my hobby now, I have, I don't have to, but I perform a lot better in certain environments when I introduce carbs into my diet because I have to worry about my body temperature and my metabolism when I'm at elevation and things. And so I have to, like, think about it in a lot of different ways um, and realize, well, you know, I'm happy and I have these goals and my diet has to take a secondary role to it sometimes. And but I can't let go of discipline and the gains I've had just because I want to be happy. I find that balance is finding the balance and, like, thinking about why I want to do something and accepting change has been most important lesson i think totally (laughs) um what about you dale i mean i'm pretty much the same man you know like i gotta i gotta think about i i kind of forgot what the question was (laughs) what are the what are the biggest overall lessons from this journey you've been on what are the things that most stand out to you yeah it's just it's kind kind of this, you know, same as 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 what we what we've been talking about. It's just you got to acceptance of the fact that it's it's going to look different, and mm-hmm. and you need to understand that the situation that you're in isn't always going to be the situation that you're going to be in for the rest of your life. Like, and and like like Miles said, it's it's about trying to uh, figure out how to how to be happy. It's not necessarily so much about trying to hit a goal like as as happy as hitting a goal can make you be but like if all you do your entire life is just focus on goals eventually you're going to run out of stuff and you're going to hit a point where if you don't hit them every time you're just going to be sad and you know part of a lot of the a lot of it changed right before and and during like when I when I met my wife you know I, I finally got to the point where I was I was pretty happy with myself and I think that was where I I was able to eventually, you know, find somebody, but then I kind of let, you know, just being happy and, and relaxed and complacency set in. So, um, one of the lessons I've, I'm trying to reteach myself is that just because you're happy and comfortable with where you're at, doesn't mean you can be complacent. Um, so you just you always got to start you all you can never stop trying and no matter no matter where you're at it's it's not the end you know so give yourself some grace but not too much grace i like it i like it so 
like Miles said, you know, he's 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 figured out that, you know, adding some adding some carbs can can improve his performance with his climbing goals and stuff. And I <laughs> I realized that as stupid as it is, like gaining weight made my weightlifting performance <laughs> way better. So <laughs> that's I, I, I'm going to have to part with that eventually because I've come to the conclusion that I'm not one of those people that wants to chase a 700-pound deadlift because I'm not comfortable getting to the body weight that it would require me to complete that feat. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's I, I've just learned a lot of small lessons over time, and I think you know some of them are easy to forget and whatnot, but I don't know where I'm going. I'm kind of just rambling. No, it's okay. It's okay. And well, I, I think the common theme, you know, in all of what we've been talking about is this idea of getting to that place of balance and acceptance. And I feel like we could probably go on for another hour and talk about what the work looks like to get to that place of finding life balance outside of weight loss. You know, that's a, that's like a whole nother discussion. Um, and I'm sure we you both could have some great insight into that. And maybe we'll have to come back to that at some point. But I think, you know, I, I personally have, have taken a lot from what we've talked about tonight. So I appreciate both of you taking the time to really dive into this. And I, I could, you know, get to this place of, well, let's talk now talk about what you're working on currently and, and all of that. But I, I think I'd like to kind of leave this with, with where we're at. Like, I, I just really appreciate you both taking the time. And if people do want to connect with you and see what things you're currently working on or what you're, what you're sharing with the world, where do they find you? Let, let's start with miles. I'm primarily on Instagram. I'm telecron with two N's. On Instagram, um, so you can find all my uh, photos of beautiful Washington State mm-hmm. and the mountains we have here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we could do it. We could do an hour on what it's like to actually get into this hobby of yours. Now, you know, this—it's it, almost more than a hobby. Like, I feel like hobby downplays a little bit, but these these awesome adventures that you're going on. <laughs> like, I think it would be great, you know, to talk about what it's like to go from that place of having been significantly overweight to get there. So maybe we'll talk about that at some point, but people can get right to it and follow you um, on your page. So we'll make sure that that's in the show notes when people are looking at this today. Yeah. Dale, what about you? Posts a lot of, Oh yeah. Miles posts a lot of vomit inducing photos. of mm-hmm. nature. Yeah. If you're not a Heights person, you know, there, there should be a, there's a trigger <laughs> warning there for you, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, what about you? Dale? Uh, Where do they find you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. PRS player 24 is my primary handle. And then I've got a, Side hustle page is Chef Boyardale, where I make obesogenic ice cream. Mm. Is that what it is? Is that is that the word? Yeah, I yeah. think that's probably correct. I think that's correct. But you also yeah, make some. You make the best. You make the best taco seasoning I've ever had. So that's another. Well, thank another you, thing Gourmet. I appreciate yeah. that. And every yeah, now and I again, it, I dabble in. No, go ahead. I was going to say, like Dale is one of the best culinary geniuses out there you know for me i haven't tried his ice cream yet because it's prohibitively expensive to ship it to the west coast but i have had oh, his dude, hot sauce and seasonings and it's it's all it's all amazing stuff i was shocked at how good it was well i i think both of well, you your you. pages need trigger warnings miles for people with heights and dale for people that don't want to see this in, intensely incredible looking ice cream that they know they shouldn't have in their lives right now so you yeah, know, we'll, I'll, it's I'll, dangerous. We'll, we'll, we'll put some red flag. I'll put some. I'll, that's the cool thing the kids are doing right now is all red flag stuff. I'll put some red flags around. Oh the profiles. yeah, you know that's the cool. That's the hip did thing. that just happen today? Yeah, it's it's been like the past week. It's been the past week. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. This will be a time capsule people will look back on and be like, oh, you remember six months ago, red flags were cool. Now we're doing blue flags. 
Um, anyway, I I just want to say a big thank you both for coming on the show. I, I appreciate you taking the time I, on a Saturday evening um, to to talk about all these things. I think we 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 got into a lot. Mm-hmm. Any last words from each of you for the people that are out there listening? Yeah, definitely. Any last words? Um, I would like. You know, you can do almost anything you want to do in life, um, as long as you really believe in yourself. Um, even if it's challenging stuff, you know, you just have to. Um, I, I, I don't want to say the cliche thing, but be your own hero. You know what I mean? I think so many things I've done in life, I've done because one day I asked myself, "Why not me?" You know, with climbing now, I was like, "Why? Why can't I do this?" You know, "Why can't I be stronger? Why can't I climb mountains? Why can't I lose weight?" You know. I just asked myself why I couldn't do those things. And then I set off to do them and it sounds, sounds silly, but like, that's how most of life goes. If you never like let yourself try things and fail at trying them, you're never gonna get anywhere in life. So never let fear or failure prevent you from trying something. I think that's the most important advice I give to anybody, anything, whether it's business, you know, health, love, anything, never let failure stop you from starting. I like it. What about you, Dale? Um, I think people need to understand that they're way more capable than they think they are. Um, I know that's pretty similar to what Miles said, but that, that that's something that ever, a lot of people struggle with in their personal lives. Um, and it, I, I see it in so many different situations and people. It's like, it's amazing what you could do if you just tried. So that being said, you know, give yourself some grace, but not too much. And, be confident in yourself, but not too cocky. And don't smoke crack. Yeah, don't don't casually pick try to pick up meth. That that I think is no one of the big lessons of this episode <laughs> for people. Please, whatever you do, don't do that. So Miles and Dale, thank you again so much. Like I said, everyone, their their contact information is going to be in the show notes. And if you're interested in hearing this discussion continue, let me know, and I'll bring them back. You can connect with me on the Instagram as well at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can get me on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can find everything I am doing with coaching and with blogs I'm writing and all of that at theketoroad.com. And don't forget, for October, as I mentioned on last week's episode, there is a 10% off sale going on on theketoroad.com for all coaching services using the code PUMPKIN. So if that's something you're thinking about, a step you're looking at doing, wanting to work with someone on accountability or getting into a ketogenic diet, hit me up. Let's talk about it. And we can get you going. So, my friends, after you've done all of that, go outside. Do something today to amaze yourselves because you are the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. 